reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. While the Pope met with his cardinals to discuss a proposal from Benjamin Netanyahu, that's hard to say, I think I'll just call him Ben, the Prime Minister of Israel. Your Holiness, said one of his cardinals, Ben wants to challenge you to a game of golf to show friendship and an ecumenical spirit shared by the Jewish and Catholic faiths. The Pope thought that this was a great idea. The only problem was that he had never held a golf club in his hand. Don't we have a cardinal to represent me, he asked. Well, none that plays very well, another cardinal replied. But, he added, there's a man named Jack Nicholas, an American golfer who is a devout Catholic. We can offer to make him a cardinal, then ask him to play Ben as your personal representative. In addition to showing the, our spirit of cooperation, we'll also win the match. Everyone agreed it was a good idea. The call was made. Of course, Nicholas was honored and agreed to play. The day after the match, Nicholas reported to the Vatican to inform the Pope of the result. I have some good news and some bad news, Your Holiness, said Nicholas. Well, tell me the good news first, Cardinal Nicholas, said the Pope. Well, Your Holiness, I don't like to brag, but even though I've played some pretty terrific rounds of golf in my life, this was the best I have ever played by far. I must have been inspired from above. My drives were long and true, my irons were accurate and purposeful, and my putting was perfect. With all due respect, my play was truly miraculous. There's bad news? the Pope asked. Yes, Nicholas sighed. I lost by seven strokes to Rabbi Tiger Woods. Well, the truth is, sometimes to achieve some goal or desired result in life, we are tempted to take shortcuts. This may be true in many areas of life. Take, for example, even something as simple as gardening. You may have an interest in putting a nice perennial flower garden in your backyard. You don't really know what to do or where to start. So you could jump on the internet or go to the library and find articles, watch videos, read blogs, and essentially train yourself how to plant a perennial garden. Or you could call Aunt Susie, who has won the Community in Bloom contest 12 years running, and she can put the garden in for you. And while it's a great idea to have a mentor, which of the two paths do you think will give the better long-term results? Having someone else do the work for you? Or putting in the effort to learn and to grow yourself?
And who knows? Maybe someday you become a mentor to a young, eager student yourself. The same principle applies to spiritual growth. We can take a shortcut and have someone else do the hard work, or we can choose to put in the effort and discipline required to train ourselves. Last Sunday, Pastor Ken launched us into our new summer series, Going All Out. During the summer, many are traveling here and there, and it's difficult to have any sense of consistency if we were studying through a book of the Bible. And so our hope and prayer as we launch this series is that as each message will stand alone, it really stands under this umbrella of really throwing caution to the wind and going deeper in our relationship with Jesus no matter where we find ourselves at today. Maybe you've just recently crossed the line of faith. Maybe you've just stepped into the the shallow end of the pool, as it were. You're just getting your feet wet, and you're not quite ready to get into the deep end and tread water or to swim lengths. But maybe you can set a goal that will move you from where you are and launch you in the direction of where you want to be. Perhaps this summer... You'll find yourself watching the Olympics in just, I think, 25 days or something like that. And you'll be, you know, inspired by the marathon runners. You aren't likely to wake the next morning and get out and run a marathon yourself. But it might be enough inspiration just to get you out of bed a little bit earlier so you can just go for a three-kilometer walk or run. The theme, actually, for our Canadian athletes, if you've been following the lead-up and build-up to the Olympics is what? Have you heard it? Give your everything. And in a sense, that's what going all out is about. Uh, We hope that as we preach these messages, the Holy Spirit will nudge us to give your everything. and And the result will be that we'll go just a little bit deeper, a little bit further in our spiritual journeys. So what does this letter that Paul read for us that the Apostle Paul wrote to this young protege, Timothy, in another time, in another culture, teach us about going all out. This really is a, a great passage about training for eternity. And while Paul is writing to Timothy about what it takes to be a pastor, there's no question that the principles that he outlines here can be applied on a much broader uh, basis. So first of all, I want us to notice that Paul mentions Timothy's calling. And the challenge to each of us this morning is simply to embrace our calling. And so what is that calling? You may wonder. You may think, well, I, I, I'm a teacher, I'm a, I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, I'm a painter, I'm a plumber, I'm a, I'm a home builder, whatever you might be as your calling. But there is a calling that is listed here in the, in the middle of verse 6 where Paul writes to Timothy and he just says, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. And this really is the anchor of this entire passage. And everything else relates and follows this and then relates back to this as our calling as ministers of Christ Jesus. This word translated minister is the Greek word diakonos. Usually it's translated servant. But since in this context it's being used to refer to anyone who serves on, uh, in any ministry on Christ's behalf, it is translated here as minister. Now you might think at TCC we have two primary ministers, Pastor Ken and myself. But the truth is, is that we have 
many ministers at TCC. We have many people who serve the body in a variety of ways. And really, every one of us is called to be a minister, to be a servant. And this servant's heart, I believe, is crucial to going deeper. Because a servant is someone who looks after the little things without thinking of himself. In fact, a servant is first and foremost thinking of others. On January 20th, 1961, U.S. President John F. Kennedy delivered his only inaugural address. And this address is widely considered to be among the best presidential inauguration speeches in American history. There were many famous quotes from this well-prepared address, but one stands out and is quoted often. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I like to think of that in relationship to the church. We need to approach our church life, our congregational life, not asking what the church can do for me, but rather asking what can I do for the church. Ask not what someone else can do for you. Ask what can I do for someone else. See, our calling is to be servants, certainly not to be consumers. And so we have the highest calling possible, to be a servant of Jesus Christ, a good minister of Jesus Christ. You know what I love about TCC? Is that servanthood is part of the fabric of who we are, part of the DNA of our church. And while not all of us serve in the same way, we find ways to serve whether it's coming early on a Sunday morning to set up or to prepare brunch or to prepare for leading worship, or whether we volunteer to help in children's ministry or to lead a home group or plan a youth event or to usher or even to stack a chair or two or put away tables and chairs after brunch or to grab a broom and sweep up after almost everyone else has already left. We are a church of servants. And we have embraced our calling to serve the community of Twilliger, whether it's at the Spring Carnival or Winter Delight, soccer camp or Friday at the Park. And as a pastor, I love watching it. And I get the sense that you like it too. Listen to this note I received from one of our volunteers after this last Spring Carnival. And if you remember who was serving at the cotton candy table, you might be able to narrow it down to one of three people. I had a great time making the cotton candy, despite how I might have looked. Haha. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that was LOL or whatever. Actually, I should say, I, I didn't even ask for permission to share this, so that's why I'm not saying who it was. I hope it's okay wherever you are. Let me back up. I had a great time making the cotton candy. Just listen to this. I had a great time making the cotton candy, despite how I may have looked. And it was such a great event to bring the community together. Wow, I was very impressed. My non-Christian friends came and had a great time with their kids. The little ones asked when the next carnival was. Now listen to this. What a great opportunity to invite my friends over and serve them and expose them to God's love. Thank you. That was one of the best notes I think I've ever received. Because it's strange, isn't it? To have someone thank me for giving them an opportunity to serve. 
But I think that is a reflection of the servants that we have at TCC. And I love it. In most churches, they would say, and this is just a general statistic, and they, I don't know, they say like 60% of statistics are made up on the spot. Um, but 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Have you heard that before? Maybe you've been in church ministry or you've heard that somewhere. And really, that used to always bother me. Because I think it's just a sad indictment of the church. Because we're talking about a church that is called to follow Jesus' example of being a servant. But I don't think it's like that at TCC at all. I think it might be more like 80% of the people do 80% of the work. So, to the 20%, the minority, can I encourage you to look around, to step out and to step up and to find a place to serve? There are so many opportunities for every interest and gifts and skill set, so we can just talk about that. If that describes you, send me an email, we'll get together, we'll talk, whatever it might be. To the 80%, thank you. Thank you for living into and embracing your calling as servants. Don't ever lose heart. Keep on. And God will continue to bless and reward your faithful service. But let me just be real practical. And here are some current opportunities to serve. And I know you'll thank me later. Painting. As you may have heard, we've just launched into taking on a major uh, chunk of doing the painting in the, in the new building. An opportunity to invest some sweat equity into the new building. We can use some more. And maybe we've communicated this a little bit wrong because it's not just painting. There's lots of prep work. So if you can sweep, if you can uh, clean up, if you can put tape on the doors, if you can just, just help out in getting the preparation, sanding. We've had uh, uh, Jerry and Joel and, and many others who have just been, been uh, doing just amazing work this past week, and Pastor Ken will say a little bit more about that. Um, but this is a, a week where we really need to just step up and go and get done what we can. We're probably going to actually catch up to where, uh, where the drywallers and things are at, and we'll have to hold off for a little bit and then start again in a little bit. But Pastor Ken will give you more direction on that. But let's, uh, let's find that as an opportunity to serve. Friday at the park, just coming up this Friday, we could still use a few more volunteers, especially someone who would be willing to, uh, to man the jumpy thing. And it's always kind of a little bit of an intimidating thing because you've got these long rows of kids that are eager to get on there, and you're timing, and then you have to disappoint all the kids that are in the jumpy thing and say, sorry, you've got to get out. And, it, and it's tough, but you know what? Um, it's another opportunity to love and serve our community. Soccer camp. We'll need some assistant coaches in August. We'll need some billets to host the coaches that are coming from Athletes in Action. These are all just simple things that we can do. Actually, some of them are pretty major. That's a time commitment, and there's a commitment there as a billet to have them in your home and to send a lunch along and serve them dinner most nights, uh, all those kind of things. So it's, it's, it's a big commitment. But people, for, th- for the last two years, have always just stepped up and said, we'll do that, count me in. Ushers, we want to ensure, especially when we get into our new building, that we have efficient use of the, of the seating that we have available. And you know what? When we get into our new building, our hope and prayer is that the spirit of service just elevates even more than it already is. 
from stepping out of our comfort zones and welcoming new people and helping them find their way around. Like, it's so easy for us to become comfortable in a new place. And when you see somebody come in and they're holding a little baby, and you could just automatically tell, saying, they might be looking for the nursery. Can I show you where the nursery is? You see, one of the things that we want to encourage at TCC is not that we have a welcoming team or a committee or a couple people, but that we all just embrace this calling as ministers and welcomers and greeters, and we take somebody by the hand and we take them to the space where they need to go. That we just all know the building well enough that we can take people and answer questions and and just be there for people. That's how we serve one another. And we can step it up in in those kind of ways. You know, people have asked, are we still going to have set up in the new new facility? Absolutely. Because there's going to be so many things happening throughout the week that we'll be stacking chairs after service again. Imagine that. We'll have brunch tables set out, but they may not all have tables. And you might have to just pick up that chair and move it over to to a table. But I watch every Sunday. The only thing that I worry about some Sunday is that Pastor Ken and myself are left here and we've got to put these uh, platforms away. But you know what? In almost three years, that has never happened once. Because there's always somebody that says, oh, before we go, we better grab these things and throw them up on the stage. That's what I love about TCC. We see people just always stepping up, looking for that place to serve because every little act of service goes a long way. We don't just leave it for someone else to do. We step in when we see that something needs to be done. Okay, I got a little carried away with all that. But how else do we train for eternity? Another thing that we can do is speaking the truth in love. Okay, so Paul doesn't exactly use these words here. But he does use that phrase in Ephesians chapter 4, where he's writing about the body of Christ, the church, growing and building itself up. And here in 1 Timothy, he says, point these things out to the brothers. Point these things out to the brothers. See, one of the things I think that's essential as we train for eternity is that we can't be afraid of being warned by others or stepping out and warning others. And and while it may seem a little negative... I believe that we all need people in our lives who aren't afraid to warn us. And when Paul says to Timothy, point out, he, he's really using a, a pretty mild word here, just to, means to remind, to lay before. And so it's not about forcing someone to obey or correcting them or nagging them. It's just simply to lay before. And often it is simply the basics that we all need to be reminded of or we need to be warned about the consequences of neglecting the basics. Those of you who have been parents and have been called to that responsibility, you've all had the opportunity to teach children about the consequences of touching something hot, right? You you put a young child in a room with a candle and they're like, mesmerized by the light, right? That's the light. And, you know, they're just drawn to it. Like that's, you know, there's something there. And his parents were always saying things like, don't touch, hot, owie, you'll get a boo-boo, right? What are we doing? We're warning them about the consequences of something that is hot. And touching hot stuff inflicts pain. And so, 
if you and I are going to follow hard after Jesus, don't you think that there might be times in our lives where we need people to point out things and to warn us? We need to have the freedom to to warn each other, to speak the truth in love. And I think this is a commitment that we need to make to each other. Because if my life is just getting off the rails a little, and it may be so subtle that I don't even really see it myself, but you see that, don't you think that you could maybe prevent me from experiencing pain in my life by, by simply saying, hey, Norb, don't go there. Some time ago, a friend of mine who knew I was dealing with a very sensitive issue simply said these three words, words to, my, to me. He says, watch yourself, man. And the entire time as I was dealing with this situation, those words echoed in my mind. Just watch yourself, man. You see, this is simply an acknowledgement that we need each other. How much easier is it to accomplish a, a physical goal or, or, or some kind of um, uh, physical uh, milestone? You want to run a, a, a 10-kilometer race or a 15-kilometer race, and you have others that come along and, and come alongside you even and, and run with you or cheer you on. How much easier is that? And so you get the idea, right? One of the simple things that we encourage at TCC is something that we just call triads. It's not a brilliant name. It's just a simple name that describes what it is. Three people, three women, or three men getting together regularly to encourage, to challenge, to hold one another accountable, and, yeah, sometimes to warn one another. Because having those kind of people in our lives will go a long way towards developing spiritual maturity in our lives. Oftentimes... We say, well, I tried that once, I, I spoke truth, I tried to do it in a loving way, and that, the, the person just totally reacted and it came back on me, and I just vowed that I'm never going to do it again. Well, you know what? If you went into the gym and you tried to do what this guy in the video did and you started out with the big thing and just went, oh, I'm never going to do that again, I just can't do it. No, you start with something smaller. And so one of the things, even in the speaking the truth and love, that I want to encourage us to do as a church family is just to practice, practice, practice. Okay? It's not always going to go well, maybe the first or second or third time, but I think it'll get a little better, and we'll just realize going, you know what, maybe I had a little sharp edge to my words there, and I need to tone that down a little bit, but I can't tone it down so much that I become almost untruthful. And that's that balance, right, where we, we've got to be able to speak the truth in truth, yes, but also in love. And you know what happens, right, is either we become so loving that we become untruthful and we just don't even really get the message across, or we become so truthful that we're actually unloving and we end up being hurtful in the process. So we need to practice speaking the truth in love. There must be more to training for eternity. What else can we discover in these few verses here? I want to suggest to you that it's important for us to go deeper into the Word. To go deeper into the Word, the Bible. See, at the end of verse 6, Paul, again, writing about Timothy, and he says he was, quote, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. You see, Timothy was the, the recipient of, 
of being mentored, not only by Paul in, uh, uh, earlier in, in Timothy, or is it maybe even 2 Timothy where, um, yes, right here, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. This is in Paul's second letter to Timothy in the chap- opening chapter in the first few verses. says, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. What's he saying is, look at your mother, your grandmother had a spiritual influence. They taught you biblical truth. You've had good teaching, Timothy, and you've followed it. See, one of the great privileges of being a pastor is really an opportunity to be a student of the Bible in order to prepare a message, to have the time to to really immerse myself in the study of Scriptures is of great benefit to me, right? Because I I need to know what I'm talking about in order to be able to share it with you. So hopefully then it becomes a benefit to you as well. But listen, the opportunity to study the Bible is not just for the exclusive use of pastors. It is the privilege for every one of us. And one of the dangers even of being a pastor is that Bible reading and study can easily become only for the exclusive use of sermon preparation rather than the consistent soul feeding for myself. But there's also another danger that exists, that we can then rely on the work of others to tell us what the Bible says and means. Kind of like asking Aunt Susie to plant the perennial flower garden for you. You see, there can be no substitute, nor should there ever be, for practicing the spiritual discipline of study for ourselves, especially even in today's day and age, because the accessibility of resources is virtually unlimited. And with technology today, it's also so, so easy. You can have it anywhere. On, on my iPhone, I, I have access to, to literally hundreds of books in a digital library that I've started to collect over the years. I, I packed up my, most of my books into boxes at the end of 2007. And there's the odd time where I'm like, oh, I've got to get that book and the, books, the, the boxes are labeled and I can dig it out of there and I know it's there. And one of the things I'm looking forward to having an office and being able to open those books up and put them out on shelves and hopefully share them with many of you as you say, you know what, I'd like to read a book about this subject or that subject. Can you recommend something? Because it shows that, hey, we want to go a little deeper. We want to learn and study and grow for ourselves. But I can pull my iPhone out at Starbucks and do sermon preparation and study, right? Because I have access to all to the books. Those resources are there. About a week ago, I was so encouraged to get a phone call from someone in our church. And he had read through the Bible uh, a few years ago. But then for the last little while, he, he kind of got kind of lodged into the New Testament. And not surprisingly, and, and in particular, the writings of the Apostle Paul, as he said himself, it was, you know, it was easy to read. It was easier to understand, and I could, I could manage that. But lately, I kind of had the conviction of reading from the Old Testament. You know where this is going, right? So he started in the prophets, in particular Isaiah, and he's reading, and he's just going, I just, I just am having such a hard time because I don't understand it. And I'm reading on my iPad, can you recommend any resources that I might be able to get for my iPad that will help me understand better what I'm reading? And I was just like, man, I was off because I was so excited about that. Because you can get study Bibles for your iPad. For maybe 30 bucks, you can, you can buy, uh, buy something that's uh, electronic like that. Are you guys getting wet there all of a sudden? <laughs> well, if it, if it really gets 
it's, uh, <laughs> I just suddenly saw this. What was that? But anyways, we'll be thankful for to be out of the gym, won't we? Sorry, let me, where was I? Oh, yeah, um, electronic um, uh, resources. It's, it's unbelievable, honestly. And I read my Bible that way, too, on my iPad now. And you can, I have a split screen. I got my study Bible at the bottom. And, and every time I flip the page in terms of what I'm reading, the bottom moves with it because it's all synced with it. It's incredible. And I think, honestly, every follower of Christ who wants to go deeper into their, into their Bible and study needs to just have, at, at a minimum, a really good study Bible. And whether it's electronic or whether it's, uh, you know, the good old-fashioned hardback paper copy, whatever it is, have something that you can just do some basic study for yourselves. Because when somebody comes and says, can you recommend some resources so I can study the Bible a little bit better? That's like having the math student who is having trouble understanding all of the concepts, asking the teacher if he or she has any ideas for extra help that they could study for themselves. And as a pastor, as a teacher, that just makes your day. It's not, can you tell me what Isaiah means and what it's all about, but rather, can you offer some suggestions for resources so that I can learn what Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 means? And that's not to say that there aren't sometimes bigger theological questions that you have. Some of the guys that have been meeting in a, in a home group just sent Pastor Ken a, a, an email, and then he forwarded it to me, and we're talking about, okay, when can we meet with these guys? And to answer some really deep and, and in some ways challenging questions. And I'm like, man, I can't just go and rattle off the answers to that myself. I'm going to need a time just to, to prepare and think through that a little bit myself. And there's a place for that, of having that kind of conversation. But if we can be people who go all out and to go a little deeper into the study of God's Word. Now, there's something else that we've got to do. And I'm just going to say that it's avoiding junk food. Avoiding junk food. Paul encourages Timothy here in verse 7. He says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. You see, the simple fact is, if we are going to dig deeper into the Word and study and know the truth, then really we won't have time for godless myths and old wives' tales. You see, if we're going to have a diet of good, solid biblical truth, then we've actually got to avoid the junk food. The myths here that Paul writes about says they're godless myths. They're the opposite of truth. And so why even listen to them or invest time in them? If you want to be physically fit, you will be encouraged to avoid junk food. The same is true if you're training for godliness. It's harmful and it's a waste of time. Can I give you just one simple example of this? And I hope this has never been true of your relationship with, with me. But you know those emails that you receive that somebody has forwarded to them and they forward it on and they forward it on and so on and so on? And it, and it starts with like a nice little prayer. And then it, it says something like, you know, say this prayer seven times and send it to seven people and then watch out because by this time tomorrow you will have so many blessings. Have you ever gotten those? Right? And then some are even worse, because they add the little tag and it says stuff like, but if you don't do this, beware, something terrible is going to happen to you. Okay? 
That's an example of junk food. Godless myths. Old wives' tales. There's an easy way of dealing with that. Delete. Don't forward it on. Don't worry about something bad happening the next day. Because what is that email in essence saying? It's reducing God to like a little genie in a bottle. Just rub it here a little bit and a genie will appear and will give you whatever you want. And worse, then they make God out to be some harmful predator just looking to inflict pain and misery with any misstep. So avoid the junk food. It's not worth it. Well, training for eternity is also going to take discipline. You see, Paul goes on to write in verses, uh, the second half of verse 7, verse 9, through verse 9. Rather, he says, instead of all this other stuff, don't spend your time on junk food, train yourself to be godly. He makes this comparison. He says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life, here and now, and the life to come, eternity. This, he says, is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. You can take this one to the bank. So not only should Timothy avoid the godless myths, he should concentrate on training himself to be godly. And there's a good reminder here, right? Physical training has value. It's a good thing to eat well and get regular exercise, but that is limited to this life. In contrast, spiritual fitness is essential both for this life and for the life to come. And the godliness that Paul is writing about is a right attitude and a right response toward God. It is having a a preoccupation with all things related to God. It is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we want to grow and go deeper in our relationship with God through Jesus, it flat out simply requires discipline. Because how else will we avoid junk food and go deeper into the Word? Any kind of study requires discipline. But think of the athlete, because Paul is here. You see, for Olympic athletes, their training is rigorous, strenuous, self-sacrificing. And the only way that they can do it is if they are incredibly disciplined. They eat the right foods, in the right amounts, at the right times, and they practice, practice, practice. And in the same way, godliness is active. It's not a passive pursuit. And physical training develops the body and exercise improves the function of the heart. But a godly and disciplined walk has tremendous benefit on our character and on our moral health. I don't have time to go into all the spiritual disciplines that that we might engage in to, to, to move us along, but there's a reason they're called disciplines. And while not in any way diminishing physical training, Paul simply states that there is no substitute for spiritual training because it lasts for eternity. And one last thing that we need to prepare as we train in godliness is it's also going to take hard work. And oftentimes discipline and hard work, they just go together, right? Right? 
In verse 10, Paul writes, And for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Do you catch the words that Paul is using here? Training. We understand what might be involved in that. Labor. Strive. These are not words for the, for the weak-hearted. To labor means to work to the point of weariness and exhaustion. Strive is translated from the Greek word, oh no, I got, I'm going to have to need, need Sid's help on this because all of a sudden it's just completely missing me, but you want to say it for me? I got, I, I, ah. there's a Greek word for it. <laughs> I had it. Which means to compete, to fight, to engage in a struggle. And it becomes the source, actually, of our English word agony. It doesn't sound that comfortable, does it? Striving, challenging, fighting, agony. See, the point is that we can't kid ourselves and think that training for godliness, training for eternity is ever going to be easy. It will absolutely require that we go all out, give our everything, knowing that there are absolutely no shortcuts. But the rewards are priceless. I have to admit to you this morning that this was a challenge for me. Because I just constantly, in preparation this week, heard the Holy Spirit just nudging me and saying, Nor that's good. That's, that's what I'm saying here in, your word, in the Word. But you need to step it up a notch. There are sacrifices that I have to make. There are tough decisions, commitments to keep. I find that it's very easy to just get very comfortable with where I'm at, kind of put it in cruise control, and just go. And maybe the danger is sometimes, maybe the longer that we've been a follower of Christ... We look back and maybe we had this initial trajectory where we were learning and growing and it kind of took off, but then it just kind of leveled off and kind of petered out. And maybe if we're honest with ourselves, we just become a little bit lazy. We realize it took hard work to get there and now it's not so easy anymore. And so my encouragement to all of us is wherever we're at, okay, like the guy in the video. If, if you have not been reading your Bible on a regular basis, for example, don't set a goal of spending an hour reading your Bible every day. It's not going to happen. But set a goal of 10 minutes. Set a goal of a, a chapter or two. Just set that next goal, whatever it's going to be. Maybe you are reading consistently and you're like, you know what? Maybe what I need to do is realize that I'm doing a lot of reading just for the sake of reading. Maybe I need to spend a little bit more time studying what I'm reading and, and really grasping a little bit more of the understanding. Whatever it is, I honestly believe that as we launch kind of into this next phase, even in the life of our church, and it's not about a building. It's not about a building. It's about a group of followers of Christ that God has called together to grow and to go deeper in our relationship and walk with God. 
Incidentally, the verses that we looked at today are the weekly verses that our our children are going to be learning and memorizing for the next two weeks. And so a great question for you on their way home today or maybe this afternoon or around the dinner table this evening is simply to ask them, what did you learn in Sunday school? And maybe, and just maybe, if you are helping them to memorize these verses, you can memorize them for yourselves as well.